This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself from the book of Malachi. Uh, you can subscribe to these messages wherever you get your podcast provide, provider. Um, you can also find all of our archived Shabbat messages at our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can also sign up for my dad's weekly essays that he writes. If you put your email in there, they will get emailed to you when he publishes them. And our theme music, as always, is by my Betty Evan Shaw. And I hope you enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does All right, so Malachi, um, and so like I said, we're going to read through the book, and then I want to talk mostly about three and four, um, but it's a great book, and I think it's obviously pertinent for today's day and age, and so we're going to read it and hopefully glean from it, so we will begin, and I'm probably going to, I don't know, I might stop and talk along the way. <laughs> All right, so chapter one, the burden of the word of Yehovah to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith Yehovah, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith Yehovah? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau and laced his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith Yehovah of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them the border of wickedness. And the people against whom Yehovah hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, Yehovah will be magnified from the border of Israel. So he starts out here and he's talking to Israel, his people, and he's pleading with them because of the condition that they're in. Um, and, and as the, you know, the Bible heads into the New Testament, as I'll, I'll call it, and uh, all that was going to go on in the first century. And part of the reason why I think Yeshua came when he did was because of the chaos of the people that as even they came back from Babylon and they had rebuilt the temple, there was strife and issues and they didn't build the house right away. And God had to send his prophets even when they came back and they, they had been even those who actually did come back had been infiltrated with a lot of pagan influence. And so the idea in the first century that the, the rabbis and the Pharisees and uh, the sages uh, were all perfectly observing and representing the Torah is not accurate. And that's part of the reason why he spoke to them, you workers of lawlessness, uh, and why they wanted him dead was because he was, uh, Yeshua was, upsetting their authority and their, their power structure. And so we read here in Malachi where he is a prophet speaking to the people of Israel. And in verse 2 it says, I have loved you, saith Yehovah, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? And then he goes on to re relay, taking them, always the Bible's taking us back to the founding promises and covenants that God made with his people 
in, in spite of his people. Like when he made the promise with Abraham, he put Abraham to sleep. It was a promise God made with himself to Abraham in spite of Abraham. So it included God's people uh, basically just because God's you know mercy on them. And so the people are saying, How, where have you loved us? And he, then he goes on to relay... Uh, Jacob and Esau and how he's judged Esau. Why? Because Esau did not follow the instructions of his father, whereas uh, Isaac, or Jacob, did rather. And Jacob was the child of the promise, but he was also the child of the promise not just because that was bestowed upon him, but because he also walked according to his father's wishes. And so there's blessings with that. And the people of Israel saying, you know, oh, we're not love. You know, where are your blessings? Where are your benefits? And, uh, and God saying, which we're going to read, you would have them if you obeyed me and you walked according to my ways, but instead you're living like Edom has and they're going to be wasted and so are you going to be wasted for your destruction. And so even in today's day and age, all those who call themselves the people of God wonder why, well, first off, we wonder why do bad things happen if God really cared, you know, he's here, you know, how could God let this you know, if there really was a God or if God really cared, how could he let this happen? But they're blaming God for their own problems and their own sins and their own shortcomings. And then and they say, well, how come God hasn't loved us? And, and so God has to call them back to the founding covenant promises that he's told them and how he has laid out his plan of redemption for his people. But they don't know their own scriptures. They don't know their own heritage. It's like the problem we have in America today. We're willing to give up all of our freedoms because we don't know our heritage. We don't know what our founding fathers wrote. We don't know the covenants that they laid down and established. And it's the same thing for the people of God. Most of us are wholly ignorant of our, the founding covenants that give the bedrock for everything that faith and, and belief and... and the nation of God is built upon. So, all right, let's keep going. Uh, so verse five, your eyes shall see and you shall say, Yehovah will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where's mine honor? So this is God speaking. And if I be a master, where's my fear? Saith Yehovah of hosts unto you. O priests that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? So you have these leaders, the people who are supposed to be the cultural and spiritual leaders of the community are, are despising God's name. But they're saying, well, where have we despised God's name? It's kind of similar to what's going on today like uh, with our nation. Like They're despising everything that our nation was built upon, but they're saying, well, no, what, where, where are we doing that? I don't see where we're doing that. But they have a, a warped and 180 degrees opposite view of what it is to be the proper leader and representation of what a country and a nation is founded upon in our country today and also in these scriptures that we're reading here. So these are supposed to be the leaders that teach them. Seven, you've offered polluted blood on my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? Uh, and that you say, the table of Yehovah is contemptible. So they hold those things that are to represent and speak to the eternal truths of God as things to be held in contempt. So those things on earth that are physical that God has given us to explain him and his glory and his character 
they hold them in contempt and they do not represent them accurately. And, and so thus they distort the picture of who God is to his people. And then you can justify all manner of chaos that, that will ensue because of that. So, you offer eight. And if you offer blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept, or accept thy person? Say it to the of hosts. Now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto, unto us. This hath been your means. Will he regard your person, saying Yehovah of hosts? Who is there among you that would uh, shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle a fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure, pleasure in you, saith Yehovah of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. From the rising of the sun, even to the going down thereof the same day, shall my name my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith Yahweh of So basically God says, I'm going to take, you know, if you won't give me my glory, and you're not going to serve me and, and do what you're supposed to, then I'm going to go to those who uh, are not my people. And they're going to give me the glory and the honor that is due my name. And uh, which was a huge, like when you get into the first century, that's why it's so important that we know the foundation of the Tanakh, that way you get into the first century. And uh, that was a big issue with the Gentile believers coming in and being considered full, uh, fully in the covenant of the kingdom. Because according to first century, you know, if you weren't Jewish or had Jewish blood in your veins, you had to go through a whole process, whereas God has always justified the, his people by faith because Abraham was a wandering Armenian. And so you, uh, so God says, I'll raise up people to serve me and be my people from, from all over wherever if you're not going to follow me, which is a kind of a poke in the eye to his people because they think that they're special. <laughs> all right, 12. But ye have profaned it, talking about his name, and that you say, the table of Yehovah is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. Yet uh, you said also, behold, what weariness it is. And you have snuffed at it, and said, Yehovah of hosts, and ye brought that which was torn and lame, and the sick, thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hands, saith Yehovah? So they're, they're, they're saying it's weariness uh, to serve God. It's tiring. And so they just bring him whatever they feel like. But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifice unto Yehovah the Lord a corruptible thing. For I am a great king, saith Yehovah of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. And now, chapter 2, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith Yehovah of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed you already, because you do not lay it to heart. So he's getting to the, the heart of his people, and that if they don't, especially the leaders and those who are supposed to represent everything about God, if they don't lay it to heart what's going on and, and accurately represent God to the people to teach them. Because you have to understand, too, back in this day, nobody rocked around with a Bible. They had to go to their local priests and Levites to hear from God what was right. And so it could be warped and distorted by them, if they, especially if they they in their own lives didn't value and hold it in high esteem. Why should the people, you know, if you've got a bad captain of a ship, the people aren't going to care either. It's going to be in disarray or a commander of a, a group of troops. Everybody is going to slack off. The leader's slacking off. 
So uh, he says, uh, three, behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces and the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And you shall know that I have set this commandment uh, unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith Jehovah of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. And he walked with me in peace and equity and did turn away, turn many away from iniquity. So that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to, uh, the law of truth is supposed to be in their mouth. No iniquity. Walk in peace and equity. Turn many away from iniquity. Seven, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of Yehovah of hosts. Such an important thing. And, and today, you know, in our, you know, churches and in our congregations, I think a lot of our leaders are falling down on the job in this, in this respect. Eight, but you have departed out of the way, and ye have caused many to stumble at the law, and you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith Yahweh of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Um, so, and that's just the nature of what happens. When those who are supposed to represent God and his law and his ways do not do those things, the world, the nations, will hold them in contempt because they see the lack of conviction in their own lives to stick to their principles. And so when they see that, they know they've got you and you're weak. It's like it's like kids on a playground. When you see a kid finally crack a little bit, oh, then everybody jumps in on them, right? And so it's the same thing now. If we will not stand for those things that we say we believe in, why should the rest of the world? I was talking to a client the, the other day and... I'm gonna get political for a little bit here, so. Uh, so we were talking about um, the cult COVID-19 and vaccines, and she said, and she's very liberal, always has voted Democratic, and she talked about how, you know, she's like, we're all our our freedoms are being eroded, they're being taken away, and she's like, the crazy thing to me is it's being taken away by mostly Democrat leaders, and she's like, and I'm not a big supporter of Trump. But, you know, it's making me think I would maybe even vote for him in the coming election. But she's like, but I, I, I don't want to vote for him because he's a horribly immoral man. And she's like, and then she said, um, I won't relay the whole discussion, but she said, I don't understand why most religious people voted for him knowing how immoral and of a terrible person he was. And, and so here you have this unsafe person who sees, and it's a one-dimensional argument, so I understand that, and there's nuance, but I don't know that there should be nuance anymore. We, as the people of God, need to represent the Bible first, and then whatever country we find ourselves in. We think we're more special because we're in America. I don't know anymore. Uh, We were founded on biblical principles, and our government was founded on principles, but that has long since been forsaken. And so she, an unbeliever who looks at the quote-unquote religious world as a whole, sees inconsistency. That's my point. She sees inconsistency in the way that they act versus what they say they believe. Granted, she doesn't understand all of it, but the outside world should be able to look at us and see 
broad stroke consistency in how we live and what we do and what we represent. Nobody would have been saying, as one of my Christian clients said about Trump, he's an anointed man of God. Who would have said that when he had his show, The Apprentice? Nobody. No Christian would have said that. He would say, they'd say he's a... Anyway, you know, do you understand my point? And so, how did I get off on that? The leaders have to, yeah, are contemptible. And, and they are, we have let go and let slide our principles based on the word of God for the scenario in life that we find ourselves. And it's a battle because it's a battle in the heart. Each and every one of us individually before God between what our flesh wants uh, and what, what God wants from us. Anyway, let's go, keep going here. Uh, I don't even know where I was. Where was I? Verse 9. But you have departed. Okay, yeah. Verse 9 of chapter 2. Therefore, as I often made you contemptible and base among all people. Okay, that's where it was coming from. According as ye have not kept my ways, but ye have been partial in the law. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously, every man against his brother, by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of Yahweh, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. The Lord Yahweh will cut off the man that doth this, and the master and the scholar out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offering an offering, offereth an offering unto Yahweh of hosts. I find it interesting there. He talks about the master and the scholar, the, 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 the learned people. Not that learning and knowledge is bad, but if, if you still can't make appropriate decisions, what good is it? And so, keep going here. Uh, 13. And this ye have done again, covering the altar of Yehovah with tears and weeping and crying, insomuch as regardeth not the offering anymore, or received it with the good will at your hand. Yet ye say, Wherefore? Because Yehovah hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet as she is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. It did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the Spirit. And wherefore one? That he might seek a goodly seed. Godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. So there was just rampant chaos all the way down in the family level of the priests where they were dealing treacherous, tre- treacherously with their wives. And so if they can't have the basic structure of covenant in their own lives between their wife and themselves, how are they going to lead the people? They can't because it's chaos from the foundation up. 4, 16. Yehovah, God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away, for one covereth violence with his garment, saith Yehovah of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you have done, that you deal not treacherously. So, talking about the heart, talking about the spirit, what goes on in the core level. You have wearied Yehovah with your words, yet you say, Wherein have we wearied him? When you say, Everyone that doeth good, evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, Where is the God of judgment? So he's saying, you weird him because they've replaced good for evil and evil and for good. And they say, where is the God of judgment? All right, now we're getting to where I wanted actually. Keep hanging in there. We're getting there. Chapter 3. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall come suddenly to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant 
whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith Jehovah of hosts. But who is able to abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto Jehovah an offering of righteousness. So he's coming with judgment first and foremost on his people. You know, we have to remember that. And like refiner's fire and fuller's soap is not a good thing. It's not a pleasant thing. It's it's not good. <laughs> Then, verse 4, shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be acceptable unto Yahweh as the days of old as in the former years. And it shall come near to, and I shall come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against sorcerers and against adulterers, against false swears, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, that turn aside the strangers from his right, that fear not me, saith Yahweh of hosts. For I am Yahweh and change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith Jehovah of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? So, they, uh, so verse 6, I love this verse. For I am Jehovah, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, not consumed. You often hear the first half of that, that verse. Oh, I'm, I'm the Lord, I change not. But he's saying it like a father yelling at his kids. That's the only reason you're alive. Otherwise, I would have wiped you out a long time ago. But he made a promise to them. And so that's why he's even bothering to plead with them. Uh, and so then he relays in seven, even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from my ordinance and haven't kept them. Return. And there's a promise in here. Return unto me and I will return unto you. But they say, Wherein shall we return? How shall we turn? What are we going to turn to? We don't know. Why bother? But there is promise in returning. Eight. Will the man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me. Even this whole nation. So it's interesting to me that he, they are cursed because they rob, have robbed him. Even this whole nation. And I'm not going to get into a whole, like, tithing, how much. Search it out for yourself and make your own decision. But but I what I will say is, I mean, bro, there's so many problems we have. I mean, from the mega churches going into massive debt and then they need to make money and they're just one glorified business to... Uh, to gen the general condition of communities where, you know, they can barely stay afloat. But it's a systemic issue into the... In, I guess it, it really speaks to the whole condition of the nation where if a community can't, on a leadership, individual, and then corporate level, get its act together, then you can't have... A community that can be an effective light in in the community that it's in because if we're all strapped for cash and that stressed out then we can't give to the, to the congregation to keep it functioning and lights on and everything rowing running if the leaders are corrupt and just doing their own YouTube witnessing thing or community thing like I believe the model God made 
that we have in the first century was the local community, where the local people came together as a community, got together, fellowshiped, used their resources so that they could be a light and a witness in, in, the, in the community. Not hopping and shopping to find what we want to serve me. It's more, how can we build a whole cohesive community and get along because we have to, because back in the day, you couldn't drive three towns away if you didn't like the local community. And that's why it was a big deal to get kicked out and get excommunicated because it means you're ostracized from that nucleus of an environment that sustained everything for you. That's why the, the land was a big deal. The inheritance was, was a big deal. The boundary lines were a big deal because it was your life. It was your livelihood. It was your ability to survive. There was no social security. There was no bailout checks. You needed each other. Now, and I think part of what's going on now with, with everything is the more that we get online and we, we actually are physically separated from each other, the weaker the body of Messiah is. So we need smaller, localized communities where everybody gets their act together. I don't know how else to say it other than that. So that they can be effective decentralized, healthy, and usable for God. So, let's keep going. Uh, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 9. Verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now, wherewith ye, saith Yahweh of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, and that there shall be room, uh, not be room enough to receive it. Who, I was talking with somebody, I think, last week about... Uh, who's telling me? They were trying to figure out... Somebody over in Israel is planting land. He's trying to figure out when the Jubilee is based on like how much the land might produce in a given year. I don't think he's going to be... Good luck with that. I don't think you're going to be able to figure it out. But I commend his effort. But what's interesting is... Where your faith meets the road. And I don't know that I have enough faith, to be perfectly honest. Where you're a farmer, there is no grocery store. All you've got is your land here. You got your trees, you got your garden, you got all this stuff. God tells you, next year, you can't plant anything. But uh, if you do what I tell you, it'll produce for three years so that you can survive. Oh, man. Like you're facing starvation if it all goes to crap, you know. But so, so God built into the nation as a whole a spiritual and physical inseparable reliance on him that was built into the function of everyday life where there was a systemic environment of faith that acted and had to. And it was so strong that it could handle some weaknesses and some cracks. It could handle the manslayer. God built into it systems for, for problems. But when you have a breakdown, too many of them, it all starts to fall apart. So that's why they made alliances with foreign nations. And the priests started to just slide and little things that they did and they bring well i i need the strong lamb so it can produce for me for next year to have wool and have meat so i'm just going to give god the one that's limping around over there and god says though i will curse you 
And I don't think it's, we tend to think, oh, it's gonna be lightning bolts from the sky. I don't think that's personally how God works. I think it is natural ramifications for your actions that he has built into the universe. Let's keep going. Uh, I don't even know. Where are we? 11? Okay. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, talking about the land, and it will it will produce. And, and what, do you, what do you say back in, ah, oh, I love it, 10. Prove me now. So he's saying, try me. You know, get, you know, put me to the test. Saith the of hosts. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall be not room enough to receive it. You remember like the, uh, some years like how the acorn tree, trees will produce like crazy? I tend to think about that. Yeah, where it's like, how is it possible they could produce that many? So it's kind of like that, you know? 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast forth her fruits before the time in the field. And all nations shall call you blessed. Ah, oh, this is so good. For ye shall be a delightsome land, saith Yehovah. So if they would serve him, if there would be this environment of faith and trust and coherency and walking, he would bless them so there would be so much there that they wouldn't be able to even fit it. And all the nations would then see and say, wow, that nation's blessed. That's where I want to be. But when, but when they don't, but when they don't do that, they, they're a curse. They're a pariah. And they, as, as, who is it that went over there? Was it Mark Twain that went over yeah. there and walked through it and was like, wow, what a wasted desert land. Why? Because of the sin of the people and therefore they were exiled. So... All nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith Yehovah of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith Yehovah of hosts. Yehovah. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept this ordinance, that we have walked mournfully before Yehovah of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are delivered. So again, it's this reversal of everything that he meant it to be. 16. Then they that feared Yehovah spake often one to another, and Yehovah hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared Yehovah and that thought upon his name. So there's this principle of fearing God, listening to him, serving him, and there's a book of remembrance for those that do that and speak often one to another. I just think that's awesome. 17. And they shall be mine, saith Yehovah of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them. As a man spareth his own son that serveth him, then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked and between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. So there will be discernment in those who will fear God that he will preserve and protect. That's the people we need to be. Four. All right, we're almost done. For behold, the days cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be a stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith Yahweh of and it shall leave neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for you shall, they shall be 
ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith Yahweh of hosts. Oh, it's just awesome stuff. Four, and I love how this is the last thing that we read in the Tanakh before we go to the New Testament, where the God, Jesus died and did away with the Torah. I don't know, not so much. Four, uh, verse four. Uh, remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet for the coming and great uh, coming of the great and dreadful day of Jehovah, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So, remember the Torah of Moses, my servant. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. I thought it was an awesome, awesome passage. So serving God, fearing Him, walking in His ways, doing what is right, maintaining a structure of faithfulness in our lives and in our communities such that we will be a delightsome people and a witness on the earth. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you again for this day, for your word, for the truth of it. Help us just to remember it. Live it out. Do it. Go forth and be obedient unto you. And that you would return quickly and set up your kingdom. Amen. Oh